0: How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Today, our guest, Brooke Monahan, is joining us from Long Beach, California. Brooke is a project management professional who specializes in process improvement, project management, people management, business acumen, and coaching. Brooke balances her uncanny knack for simplifying complex problems with her knowledge of industry best practices and a truly supportive relationship with everyone she works with. Brooke, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited.
0: Um, so am I. And Before we get into like the fun, juicy parts of it, I'd love for you to give us just a minute or two about your background and what got you to the point that you're at
1: right now. Sure. Um. So I had shared with you before we, when we were chatting that I always wanted to work for myself and uh, just from a very young age was not, you know, I wasn't like that entrepreneurial kind of kid who was constantly doing like the lemonade stands and like selling things at school. I was just the like constantly in my mind about like, how can I figure out how to not have to deal with, honestly, I think it was like not having to deal with the kinds of things that I was dealing with at school where I was just like, I don't want someone to be able to tell me what to do for the rest of my life. Like I need to figure out a way out of this. Um, and then as I got older, I kind of realized that like, I really loved business. Like I loved the puzzle of business and figuring out ways to, um, you know, just like problem solve around it and the ways that you could generate solutions for people and like how cool that could be. Um, And I went to school for entrepreneurial management thinking, well, if I get the know-how for how to do it, then I'll just like know what I need to do. And then I'll just like start a business. And that was absolutely not what happened because I did not realize that knowing what to do and having the risk tolerance and the like being able to deal with the vulnerability of putting something out there that you really care about or possibly failing and all of that was like. That is so much more part of the equation. Um, yeah. And so I ended up working retail for quite a while and I learned so much in retail. I mean, you just end up like as a GM, it's like you're learning so many things that go into running a business. But the thing that was really mind blowing for me was seeing that every single store would get the same setup in terms of this is what you're supposed to do and this is the product that you have and this is how you're supposed to set it up. And you would see some stores just run like a well-oiled machine and other stores were just a hot mess and not doing well. And I thought it was so fun to just figure out how to just like be really high-performing and also have a team of people that actually um, were respectful and felt respected at work and and had this like really nice experience of, I've been working retail for so long and now I actually like working here. Um, and I worked there for a long time and then finally one day it was just like, I can't. I I need to do something that at the very least feels meaningful to me and is aligned with my values and maybe gives me some space. I was so burnt out and I just needed some space to figure out what my business was going to be. Like I knew that I needed to work for myself, but I never could figure out what my thing was. Yeah. And I don't know why consulting just literally never popped into my mind. I remember listening to a podcast one day. Podcasts have like changed my life. Like conversations that I've heard people have like this have absolutely changed my life. And I heard somebody talking on a podcast one day talking about how they started their consulting business. And I was like, oh, wait a second. I know so many people who want to start businesses or who have wound up accidentally working for themselves and don't want to deal with the business side. That's all I want to deal with. Like, why don't I start doing that? And so I kind of started toying with the idea and while I went into a new nonprofit role. And then um, what ended up happening was eventually like, I ended up in a situation where I was moving across the country for reasons that were kind of just my husband was getting a job across the country and so I was leaving and I ended up convincing my employer to hire me as a consultant. And that was my very first client and I I was like, "You know what? There's never a good time to do this. I'm just going to figure it out." And I started consulting with them on the side. I was walking dogs half days and then working on my business half days. And then I started a podcast at the same time where I was documenting, like, what's the process actually like when you're in it? Because I had heard all these stories about this is what happened. And it's such a curated story where, like, you have no choice, right? Even in this, like, it's 30 minutes, right? I'm going to edit out so many things that happened. (laughs) But I really wished that there was somebody talking about it while they were in it so that I could hear, like, but how do you deal with, like you know, the the stuff that's going on in your head and like the really hard things, uh, you know, that that seems to be really simplified in these conversations. So started doing that. And that was what actually ended up leading me to doing business coaching because people started listening to my podcast and were mm-hmm. then coming and finding me and being like, I want you to help me. Like I've heard, I've seen all these other business coaches, but I want you because you're just so honest about all of these things. And it seems like you're doing it in a way that really works for you and your lifestyle, and with your values. And I resisted it for a long time. And though. Here we are.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So there was a lot of great stuff in there that I want to unpack. First, you talked about um, how you went uh, and got entrepreneurial management. Was that that the degree that you got? Yeah. Um, and what I find, I think you hit something that's so interesting that we don't teach risk management or understanding the risk in those classes. Um, and I don't think we do that in any business class. Like we talk about risk and risk management but it's not ever about that personal risk that you take. And I don't know that you can even teach that, right? It's something that you have to experience. So for you, how did you get over that hump of dealing with the risk of being an entrepreneur for the first time?
1: I, I really think it was just as simple as getting so fed up with my own like, stuff around why there was never a good reason to do it. And I'll wait until this and I'll wait until this and I'll wait until then. And then finally realizing there's always gonna be a reason not to. And I literally have two choices. I can either try it and find out or I can guarantee it doesn't happen by just not trying. Like the only guarantee that it's not gonna work is if you just don't try. Um, And so I think I just got to a point where I was just like, you know what? This is not going away anytime soon. I've wanted to work for myself since I was like 14, like this is not a phase. So (laughs) at what point are we just going to figure it out? And I think that it was just like, I knew there was a risk, but I also knew that if I just figured out a way so that I could keep going, I would figure it out eventually. I was, I was so confident. It might take me longer than I want it to. It might be hard, but like working a job I don't like is hard. And I signed up to do, otherwise I'm signing up to do that for the rest of my life. So like, what are we doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, now and I think
1: I think that that was really it and and since then you know, I've definitely learned like I think you're right, you know, we don't teach the personal risk side, but I do think that something that we could do a lot better at is um, You know, normalizing the experience of learning something new and how you have to put yourself out there and try some, when you're learning something new, you have to put yourself out there and risk not doing well at it. And in fact, like if you don't put yourself out there and expose yourself to things that you don't know how to do, you're never going to grow at anything. And I think our culture is just so like so perfectionist um it really does not lend itself well to well
0: that. And, and i and i think that starts early on right when you're going to school and the point is to get good grades and get a's and if you fail that's a bad thing and so we're kind of indoctrinating that and, and to your point when you learn new things or try new things you're not gonna succeed the first time out of the gate very likely like it is very rare I mean, some people yeah. Yeah. Some, some people that are not me or maybe not you uh, will succeed right out of the gate, but most of us are going to fail right out of the gate. And we've been taught like that's that's not good, right? Yeah. And so it prevents, I think, a lot of people. And and I think to your point, there's a lot of people that prevent themselves from being entrepreneurs because they're afraid of failing because of that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, you didn't do the entrepreneurial thing and selling candy bars to other kids and things like that is this your first entrepreneurial thing? And if so, are there other entrepreneurs in the family that you got to watch through this process that, that has helped you along the way?
1: Yeah. Um, this is my first entrepreneurial thing. Um, but yeah, like there's entrepreneurs in my family, but I don't think I realized that until I was older because nobody looked at themselves as like a quote unquote entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. Um, I come from a fishing family. Like my dad was a my dad and my whole dad's side of the family are, are all commercial lobstermen. Um, and so, they're you know, self-employed work for themselves, but it's the kind of work where you get up at 430 in the morning and you go out <laughs> and you do physical labor and you, like, get skin cancer because you're, like, out in the middle of the ocean with the sun beating on you your whole life. Right. And, like, everyone is, like, beat up. And it's just such hard work work. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that honestly, that was part of the reason why I really wanted to figure out a way to work for myself was because I really didn't want to have to beat myself up in the way that I saw so many people in my family do it. And I don't think I realized like, well, that's they're working for themselves. But I also had other people in my family, my grandmother actually, Um, she was divorced, like, in the 60s when it was, like, very unusual and ended up, um, teaching art classes to kids in the neighborhood and then eventually started doing, like, parties for kids, like, before that was a thing. Um, and, like, bringing balloons and music and, like, she made, like, costumes, like, character costumes she would go to parties in. Like, that was what my grandmother did. My, I have an uncle who, um, my whole life, like he's always been in different entrepreneurial ventures. And I actually realized, like, later on, it had a very kind of a similar path to me. So there's a lot of it in my family, and I, I think that the narrative of entrepreneurship made me feel like there wasn't. I always felt like I didn't belong in the entrepreneurial kind of world because there's like this narrative of what it's supposed to look like. And more and more, I just realized like, it's a mess. It is a mess most of the time. And (laughs) what I was seeing when I was growing up was it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, There's all different shades of entrepreneurs. And I think the thing you touch on there is that in, in media, we almost always talk about only one type of entrepreneur, right? right? The, the one that raises money and, and exits for a, a bazillion dollars or whatever, right. but there's so many shades of entrepreneurship, uh, along the spectrum that it can be almost anything, um, from the kid, you know, selling candy bars to his classmates, to, you know, to that thing, to, to being the bil- billionaire, uh, because you exited. So, yep. uh, and it's all, it's all valid and it all works. It's just, uh, what floats your boat. Um, not to use a boating analogy for you because I, I don't want to set off your PTSD or anything like that. But, I uh, actually
1: do have PTSD, so it's actually funny that you say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know never to ask you to come out on a boat, especially at 4.30 in the morning. It's That's... not
1: about, It's not around that. It's okay. I get seasick, <laughs> but the PTSD won't be an issue.
0: Oh, you and me both. I don't think we're either one of us then are going to be on a boat. I, I get seasick as well. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, business insurance experts. Okay, so let's talk about when you started... um uh, started the business. Uh, you said like all these things and you realized like all these things were holding you back for no reason. Was there anything else that made you nervous about starting this, that you were worried about that, you know, maybe this won't work. Was there anything like that? And how did you get over that?
1: Everything. I was terrified all the time. I remember, I remember driving around. I remember driving like vividly. I have this memory of driving my car and being like, I have felt like I was going to throw up for, I think the past six solid weeks. Like there hasn't been a time where I haven't felt like I'm going to throw up. Everything terrified me. I was terrified that I was going to find out I didn't have what it took. I was terrified I was going to find out that this dream that I had wasn't going to work for me. I was always terrified. I would get a new client and I would be so excited for like a minute. And then like five minutes later, I was like, all the other ones are going to leave or I'm never going to be able to get another one again. Or, you know, I'm going to blow it. I'm not going to be able to deliver. Everything scared me. Um, And I think that the biggest thing was just I learned really early on in the process that there was no way to avoid being scared. There was just no way. It was so different from things that I had done before. And I was finally putting myself out there with something that really, really mattered to me. And when something really matters to you, it freaks you out when you start to let other people see it or really go for it and expose yourself to finding out how it's going to go. And so I think I just embraced it, you know, and now I'm at a point where if I don't feel scared, if I, if it's been a few months and I haven't felt like really scared, I'm like, okay, we're avoiding something. Like something is not happening here because I've just learned that like, if I'm approaching growth edges, I'm going to feel like I'm going to throw up. It's just the way that I'm wired.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's an interesting point, you know? Um, And I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel that, that, that nervousness or scared and, Um, I find it funny that you're like, oh, I got this new client. You celebrate for like five minutes and you're like, oh my God, what if I can't do it? What if I don't get any more? Yeah. Um, And I think that's the the highs and lows of entrepreneurship right there. But Mm -hmm. I think most of us that keep going harness that energy to keep ourselves going, whereas people that kind of come off the tracks are the ones that that just becomes too much for. Was that something that was always true for you? Like, did you always harness that to propel yourself or Did you have to learn how to do that?
1: No, I was such a perfectionist. I was such a straight A kind of person who needed to do everything exactly the right way. I'm dyslexic and I didn't even realize that until so much later that like it wasn't normal the amount of stress that I would put myself through to be able to still get like a 4.0 GPA. Like the things that I would come up with to get it so that I could actually understand what I was reading. It was like extreme point. So the point being that like, I was terrified of doing any of, of exposing myself to anything that I couldn't do. And I only attempted anything if I was hundred percent sure that I could be the best at it. I was like, there's no point in doing anything. If I can't guarantee that I am going to be the best person at it in the room. And eventually I realized that all that was doing for me was just keeping me in this big fish in a little pond kind of syndrome where I was constantly wondering why I was ending up in these places where, you know, I guess it felt good that I could really perform, but like it's not where I wanted to be. And so that was really one of the things that pushed me to be like, okay, it's time to start taking some risks. Like I'm done with this. When I was done, I was done. I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I just really went totally in the other direction and started opening myself up to finally, um, taking the risk of, you know, the financial risk is one thing that wasn't even the scariest part for me. For me, the scariest part was taking the risk of saying, I'm going to go and dare to do this thing. And I'm going to let everyone watch me potentially not be able to do it. It was like the first right. time in my life that I felt like I was really opening myself up to that. Yeah. It was brand new.
0: Yeah. and th- And that's a common thing. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have to grapple with, because I mean, like I remember it from when I started my first company, that a lot of other people around me that were probably scared to be entrepreneurs themselves would say things to tear down the oh, one yeah. that's stepping out, right? And and it's hard to kind of do that because, yeah, what if you do fail and then everybody's looking and pointing at you and say you shouldn't have done that?
1: Yep, yep.
0: And, and I don't know how we solve that problem and how we you know get people to kind of normalize, like, no, this is an okay thing. And, and it's okay to fail. It, it got, goes back to that whole thing of like, no, you don't have to always make straight A's. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's I agree. okay to fail. Yeah.
1: I agree. I think that like, you know, it, it, there's really something to be said for, and this is something I've been thinking about so much lately because I, I see it happen so much in the coaching space mm-hmm. where there's people who are, saying that what they want to do is help people build confidence and go out there and put their thing out there into the world. But then they're so quick to tear down the way that other coaches coach their clients or Mm. why somebody else isn't qualified to be advising you or whatever. And I've gotten to a point that used to make me really mad. And I used to get really, um, I mean, up until very recently, honestly, like I've really had to work through that. But finally, I've gotten to a point now where I'm like, okay, you know what? That's a projection of what you're the judgments that you're putting on yourself. And I know that because I used to do that to people, right? Like I used to do that too, but now that my confidence has grown, I don't feel the need to judge anyone else in the way that they're doing things because I'm just kind of like, you know what? I want to build your confidence so that you can also turn around and do that for other people. And yeah. So I think that like, it's, it's almost like you've got to be willing to, um, you've got to be willing to just like build people up around you. And I think that with that, it kind of comes back to you in time, but it does mean that you've got to deal with people who are just grouches and (laughs) it's okay.
0: So let's, let's pivot on that um, and talk about uh, the business and kind of how you manage it. So you're dealing with these clients and you're coaching them and everything. And how do you balance the stress of that um and you're kind of taking on like the stress that they're going through as well, and mm-hmm. how do you balance that and the demands of of the business with personal life and family and all of the other things that are you know equally, if not even more important in life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the number one most important thing for me is I first of all, have strong boundaries around the work that I will do and won't do. There are certain things that I don't want to do, and I've made the mistake of doing it before, whether it be working with a client who I really – wasn't the right client for me or them saying, well, could you do this for me? Me saying, oh, yeah, sure, because it's easier to just say yes than it is to set the boundary. And now I'm at a point where it's like, look, I know what I'm good at and I know Mm -hmm. what I'm worth you investing and working with me for. And I also know what doesn't make sense for me to be doing. And if I start doing it, it's going to burn me out. And so now I'm pretty good about setting boundaries. And I think that that helps a lot because there's really nothing that I do in my work that I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do that. I mean, there's some things that of course I don't feel like doing. I of course right. wake up some days and just don't feel like working. But for the most part, I can remind myself of why I'm doing it and it's enough to like motivate me. And so I think that that's the biggest thing is like, I really like what I do and I want to do what I do. And so it doesn't really, fe- there's some days where I have to really stop myself from working, you know, um, because I just want to keep working on it. Yeah. Um, and I think also just being incredibly intentional about making sure that anything that I'm doing is sustainable long-term because I just, you know, I made the mistake early on and I see so many people do this where you get caught up in this. I kind of, I call it like the freedom, like mirage where it's like, if I just hustle hard enough now, I'm going to get to the point where finally I will have achieved enough or earned enough and then everything's going to be easy and then I can chill out. And it's like, no, all that that does is it sets you up in a business that you just want to escape from you're yeah. not going to be able to do that long-term. And this is a long game. Like for most people, it you know, you need to set yourself up for the long game. And so I've been very intentional about that with like anything that I'm doing, I'm always looking at, okay, is this, is this sustainable for me or is this going to burn me out? Because nothing is worth being burned out for. Cause it's going to set me back in like two months, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Uh, and, and you're right. Almost always it's a long game. Uh, you know, any entrepreneur that's getting, even if you're looking to exit at some point, like I tell entrepreneurs all the time, it's at least an eight to ten year deal that you're signing up for once you raise money and and do these kinds of things. It's not a quick flip. Like these stories that we see in the media of like, oh, one year in they sold for a billion dollars, like that's so rare. Yeah. It's it's like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Mm-hmm. So you can't count on you being that. Incredible and that awesome that that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, and you. and
1: especially like I work mostly with lifestyle business owners. Yeah, people who are just trying to do work that they think is meaningful, set themselves up for some amount of flexibility or freedom or control over their schedule. They're, you know, so I'm like, if that's the point, then what are we doing with yeah. this? Like, <laughs> you know, run yourself into the ground, hustle, hoping hustle, that hustle. it's going to, yeah. yeah, this this hustle. It's it just. It doesn't pay off the way that I think we've been sold on. I mean, right. for some people it does, but I yeah. think a lot of it is just going to tire you out and then set you up for a situation that's just like your day job, where now you have a different <laughs> kind of situation that you want to exit, you want to escape from. And right. now you're in the same position where you have to start over. So like, let's just yeah. not do that, you know?
0: <laughs> do, you have, um, do you have routines that you stick to like on a daily basis to make sure you stay grounded, like, you know, make sure you sleep at a certain time, exercise, like whatever it is, like, is there a routine that you try to stick to?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I have routines that I try to stick to and I'll be very transparent about the fact that it doesn't always happen. So I know that like, I need to be exercising every day. It doesn't matter. It could just be a half hour, just get outside and go for a walk or Mm -hmm. go for a bike ride, you know, after dinner or something like that. Sometimes I'll do that, but I really like to be in the gym. So I really try to do that every day. Um, And I also, you know, I really try every single day. This is a practice that has been so helpful to me to call to mind actual people who I want to work with or help in my own business Mm -hmm. and kind of think about what they're going through, what they're experiencing and like where they're at so that I can remind myself of how I can actually help people because that kind of reconnects me back to like the reason why I'm doing this rather than feeling like I just have to go through my to-do list and kind of go through the motions. And it makes a huge difference to like prioritizing, like what's actually important today? And what do I, what kind of marketing do I really need to put out there today? And what am I doing just because I feel like I should do it? Um, And that really helps kind of prioritize things. And, and then, you know, I really try to, you know, cook dinner every night and like, not just like work until late and then, oh, well now I'm out of time. And so I have to, you know, cooking is like a reason to make myself stop working. Taking my dog out is a reason to make myself stop working. And I really have to make myself do that because I just get in this mode. I'm one of those people who I hyper fixate and I get into this mode where I, I will just go and like time goes out the window. And the next thing I know, I'm like, I'm just working, working, working. So yeah. yeah, I try to stick to the routines, but if I'm being very honest and like, we all, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but we already touched on it. I have complex PTSD. I And the way that my nervous system works is like, I get in a freeze response very easily. And there's like, there's, if my routine is messed up for any reason, like someone comes to town and my work schedule gets thrown off, it will take me, I'm not kidding you, like 6 weeks to get back to my routine oh, and wow. it all has yeah. to shift back to like trauma resolution work before I can even get back into it. So um going to therapy and actually doing the things that my therapist tells me to do. Those would be the two most important things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it seems kind of pointless to go to therapy and then not do the things that the person tells you. You're like, yeah, that was fun. Well, I don't really need to do that. Yeah,
1: it's very easy to go and then be like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do that. And then two weeks later, they see you and they're like, did you go for a walk? No.
0: <laughs> I'm doing it this afternoon. Yes. Uh, yeah. Starting now. Um, okay, so thinking back, you, you've been doing like your own thing for a while. Mm. Um, going back, you know, if you were able to go back in time, is there something that you've realized now that you wish you would have known then that you would do differently, and, and why is it that you would do that differently?
1: Yeah, this question's so hard for me. I have such a hard time not getting in the complexity of everything taught me something. Uh, So I would, you know, but we all know that. So I'm just going to indulge the question. And I will say that I think I would have leaned into getting help or um, into other people more and realized how much relationships matter. Relationships are the absolute in my opinion, like three and a half years into this now, I think that relationships are your number one most important thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when I first started, I really felt like, well, I'm going to go off and do this thing on my own so I can do everything on my own. You can't, you just absolutely cannot. And it's not even a matter of like, get an assistant and outsource and delegate. It's not even that. It's like being willing to send an email to somebody and be like, Hey, I need help with this thing. Like, I'm trying to promote this thing. Who do you know who could be a fit for this? Like putting yourself out there in that way. And then also reaching out to those people and asking how you can help them. Like my network of other business owners at this point, and and also just clients of mine, um, who I've worked with over the years and really be like built deep connections with, it's paid off for me in a way that I, if I had known. I would have been leaning into so much harder so much earlier.
0: Yeah. Is there something that you do to make sure that you're maintaining those connections? Is there a tool or anything else like that that you use?
1: I have on my calendar. um, So I use Asana to manage my, Mm -hmm. all of my, you know, to do's. And every single week I have uh, two appointments with myself where All I am doing is intentionally networking with people. And so I have one day a week where I'm reaching out to new people. And maybe it's somebody whose podcast I heard or I heard them on a podcast or someone Mm -hmm. whose content I saw. And I'm just interested in what they're doing and seeing if they maybe want to learn more about it, about each other and what we're doing and if we can support each other in some way. Or um, if there's something that I want to learn from them, I will just ask like, hey, I see that you're doing this thing. I really want to learn how to do that. Uh, You know, would you be interested in talking about it sometime? People are always open to that. And then I have another day where I set an hour aside just to intentionally like be in conversations with people. And but I think that the big thing is like, if it's genuine, if you're genuinely if you genuinely care about people, it's just so it, it's just it just happens. You know, and so a lot of the relationships that I have, I don't really need to think about how I'm maintaining them because they're real people who I genuinely just really care for at this point. And we're going for the same things. And there's this bond that happens when you are in relationships with folks who are also putting themselves out there in the way that you are, yeah. where it's just, you know, it's just a deep kind of connection that you end up building with those people. And yeah. I have so many friends now who, anytime that something's going on, you know, with in the, the other person's business and we see them promoting something or something like that. We're like texting each other and like, how can I help? You know, like this is, that's just a common conversation that I'm in all the time with folks. And I'm really grateful for it now. It was so much harder when I thought I needed to do everything alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, uh, one last question for you. Yeah. What would you tell someone who's thinking about taking this leap like you did and start a side hustle or start a small business? What advice would you give them?
1: I think that, well, the biggest thing is that the longer that you wait, it literally, it's just going to be the longer that you wait. Like, it's not like it's actually going to set you up to be any more prepared. Um, I think taking small steps now, just identifying what the tiniest first step is that you can take, even if it's just saying it out loud to somebody that you trust, that this is something that you want to do that counts. So I would say just start taking even tiny baby steps toward it, because if this has been something you want to do for a long time, it's not going to go away and there's never going to be a time that feels convenient. Um, But the other thing that I would say is, you know, what works for one person might not work for you. And so just be really willing to filter anything that you hear from other people through your own kind of filter and figure out like what's for you and what's not for you. My advice might be totally different from somebody else's. And while I went out and just had one client and was like, whatever, I'll walk dogs and I'll figure it out (laughs) for other people. They need to maintain a day job for a long time because they need the financial security for themselves to just feel grounded enough to continue to show up. So you've got to be willing to just do it your own way and don't let any what anyone else is doing. Don't compare yourself to that and like judge yourself for it because it's just, it's different for every single person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Brooke, where can our listeners find and connect with you?
1: Yeah. um, So I do have a podcast as well. uh, So you can find me there. The title of the podcast is Transcend Your Dichotomy. So if you're listening to this, go over there. Um, And then (laughs) you can find me at brooke-monahan.com and all of the things that I have to offer there. I've got all kinds of free resources. So if you want to dive into anything there, then I'm sure I will throw it right in your face as soon as you land on that page with whatever I have going on.
0: I love it. I love it. Brooke, thanks so much for being on today.
1: This was so fun. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Park. You can find me on Twitter at at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparik.com.